Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester.
shelter in times of storm and times of trial Lord and you you look you look after us so well Lord and we just ask that you would continue to look after us Lord as as we worship and sing your praises Lord
because you have washed us whiter than snow. And Lord, you have just bathed us in your love and your holiness. And we just ask, Lord, that as we have gathered here, wherever we are, that you would touch each and every one of us, Lord, and just uh, be with Pastor Don as he, as he preaches, Lord, and brings us the word, Lord. And we thank you for all this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is the part where I normally get to say, let's go get some coffee and then we'll gather back. But that's not happening today. That's right. Hey, if you tuned in late, we just want to welcome you um, to our broadcast, first ever um, live streaming broadcast at Calvary Chapel, Rochester. And uh, again, uh, we also want to welcome those that are maybe tuning in after it's live. Maybe you're watching it on YouTube or you're listening to it later. Uh, we want to welcome you as well. So I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, for those of you that attend Calvary Chapel Rochester, this is your church home. Normally we would do announcements at this point, um, but I'm just going to be emailing announcements to the church. So I don't want to bore everybody that aren't, isn't a part of our fellowship with the details. So anyways, but we will be contacting you with things that are going on through the week. Uh, so just stay tuned. You can always go to our website, and uh, we'll try to keep that updated as much as possible. Um, we are going through the book of Leviticus in our weekly studies, and so if you are joining us for the very first time, uh, we're right in the middle of it. Actually, we're kind of close towards the end of it. We're in Leviticus chapter 25, and I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to go ahead and maybe it's on your shelf, or uh, maybe it's in your desk, or maybe you've got it with you right now. I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 25. Uh, this is the second week we're going through the book of Leviticus, or excuse me, the chapter 25 of Leviticus. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that portion of scripture um, that we are going to be studying this morning, and uh, and then we'll, we'll get into it. But before I do, I just want to just, uh, again, just uh, thank the Lord for this time. Father, I do thank you uh, for the opportunity to worship you. Lord, I thank you for the, the technology and the ability to live stream this broadcast and to record it for those uh, that are uh, stuck inside their homes or just unable to go out and fellowship and congregate with other believers. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for this technology. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would use this uh, for your glory. And, Lord, we, we love you and we thank you. And, uh, Lord, we do want to lift up those that are sick from the coronavirus, Lord, those that have actually contracted the illness associated with it. Lord, we just pray for them. Lord, we pray your hand of protection, your hand of healing upon them. Lord, for those that are maybe carrying the virus and they don't even know it, Lord, I pray that you would just protect everybody around uh, around them. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, we give you this time. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we get into the actual study of Leviticus chapter 25, um, you know, I just want to talk about a few things that is probably on the weight of, on all of our minds right now. Uh, you know, if you've been alive for any length of time on this planet, uh, you know how sometimes an event can occur. Um, I like to call them the storms in life. Those things that are sudden, they're very severe or acute, uh, they maybe catch you totally off guard. You get the news of the death of a loved one or uh, maybe the loss of a job. All of a sudden, you go into your boss's office and they say, hey, you don't have a job anymore. Uh, or, you know, just something that's just, it just catches you off guard. You weren't expecting it all. Those are the storms in life that we always experience. And uh, you, as well as myself, we know what that's like. You know, I was thinking about this coronavirus issue you know, this isn't a single storm, is it? It's a, it's more of a, a prolonged season of bad weather. And, uh, you know, the thought on probably everyone's minds, including myself, is how long is it going to last? And, uh, you know, you hear the prognosticators and the news, and, you know, it's all gloom and doom. I'll be honest with you, I have no clue how long it's going to last. Uh, unless you're in Narnia, though, where it's always winter and never Christmas, we do know that seasons do come and go. And so eventually we know in God's timing, this season, and it's a difficult season that we're going through, it's going to eventually pass. And uh, Lord willing, it'll pass sooner than uh, later. Uh, but you know, right now, so we're kind of forced into some new, uh, new situations, new things to do. Uh, this was very new for me. I always wanted to do live streaming, but uh, just, uh, you know, this kind of forced the issue. And, uh, you know, in a sense, we've all been really forced to really slow down. We've been really forced to uh, pare back on things. And uh, so what do we do in this situation? Well, let me encourage you to draw closer to the Lord during this time. Spend some time. You know, we've got all kinds of downtime now. Let's read the Bible. And uh, spend time praying to the Lord, spending time with Him. You know, it's also time to draw closer to our families, right? Because they tell you, hey, stay at home. If you're going to do things, do things with your family. And, you know, we get so busy in our lives that sometimes we kind of neglect our loved ones and our families. So my encouragement to each one of us, hey, draw close to your families during this time. The other thing that we can do is we can reach out and touch someone. Now, oh, what did he say? Touch someone? No, I don't mean physically touch someone. We're told not to do that, right? Vir virtual high five. Uh, no, actually what we're supposed to do or what we want, we're supposed to, what we should be doing is, you know, start contacting one another. We have telephone, we have email, you can text someone. Uh, you know, I want to share this with you. If you're feeling lonely this morning or tomorrow or during the week, Chances are your brother or sister in Christ is feeling lonely too because we're all in this together. And so if you start feeling lonely, hey, there's a solution to that. Contact someone. Call someone. Call a friend. Maybe an old friend you haven't talked to in a long time, a relative, whatever, a brother or sister in the Lord. Chances are they're lonely too. And I just want to share this with you. You know, pastors and wives, and maybe you don't belong to this church, maybe you belong to another church, your pastor and his wife, they get lonely too. And so I encourage you, you know, don't forget them either. Contact them. Find out how they're doing. Uh, praise the Lord, we live in the age of electronics. Can you imagine? I know in generations past they've had things that have gone. Polio, uh, you know, was an issue back in the, what, in the 50s. And before that, other plagues and different things. And people were really isolated. And, and we are isolated, but we have a way to communicate with each other. Man, what a blessing to be alive in this uh, season. 
And uh, another thing I want to share with you again before I get into our study, if you're at home right now and you're either listening live or you're listening to this afterwards, a broadcasted message, you know, sometimes it feels a little less spiritual. And you're just sitting there, it's like, you know, I'm not with my brothers and sisters at church. It just doesn't feel the same. And, you know, to be honest with you, it doesn't feel the same. I'm preaching to an empty room. Well, there's about five or six people in here. But uh, it, it doesn't feel quite the same. Uh, but I want to let you, uh, I want to share a couple scriptures with you. Um, I have a pastor. I'm a pastor, but I have a pastor back in California. His name is Tim Brown. And he shared something on Facebook last night that uh, just, he, he was sharing some scripture with this fellowship. And man, I tell you, it just encouraged me. And uh, I want to share it with you, but I'm adding a little twist. And by the way, I asked for permission if I could steal it, so he said I could. So thank you, Tim. Uh, but I want you to think about this. I'm going to read a couple, two scriptures to you. And I want you to think about what these two healings that Jesus performed had in common. So the first one I'm reading is in John chapter 4. You don't have to turn there if you don't want you to just listen. John chapter 4, verses 46 to 53. It says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a nobleman, a certain nobleman, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at that same hour which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. I'm going to read another passage of scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 8. What do these two healings that Jesus did have in common? Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, roof excuse me, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very same hour. What are those two healings have in common. In both cases, someone was sick at home. In both cases, Jesus' words were live streamed to those individuals. In both cases, God's word impacted those people who were not physically present with Jesus. Today, we might, in fact, we're not might, we are separated from one another physically. We might even be quarantined, but I've got good news for you. God's word is not quarantined, and his spirit is not confined in any way. So anyways, I pray that God's word encourages you this morning, and that his spirit still, it's gonna, he's going to use the work, the word, and he's going to work it into your life and do the things that only the Holy Spirit can you know, maybe you're thinking to yourself this morning, 
hey, I'm not listening to his live stream, and that's still even less spiritual. Well, I'm going to share something with you. A long time ago, back about early 2000, I believe it was, I was listening to the Calvary Chapel Senior Pastors Conference uh, that had been recorded, and I believe, to give you an idea how long ago it was, I think the recordings were on cassette tape. So if you know what a cassette tape is, these little things, and anyways, they get stuck in your machine, you pull them out, and they're just, anyway, long story short. I was listening to these teachings on cassette tape, and this pastor was sharing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was sharing how he discovered that just like salvation is asked for and received by faith. You know, you don't feel saved when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart. You know, but you believe by faith that you are saved, right? Because the scriptures tell you so. And he was saying, hey, it's the same thing with the filling of the Holy Spirit. You ask by faith and you receive it by faith. And so I had never heard that before. And this had been recorded years prior to me even listening to it. And when I listened to it, it just impacted me. The Holy Spirit talked, spoke to my heart. I got down on my knees in my living room, and I prayed to receive the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He did. He filled me in a way I would never experienced before. So I want to encourage you, God's Word is still powerful. Even if you're hearing it not here in, at this church, if you're hearing it at home live, or even if you're hearing it later, God's Word is powerful. So I want to encourage you in that. All right, hey, we're going to get into our study in Leviticus chapter 25, and we're starting at verse 8. We did the first seven verses last week, and if you want to follow along and you haven't, you can always go back and, and listen to it. Uh, we have a pre we don't have video, but we have an audio. So if you want to listen to it and catch up with us, you're welcome to do that. Just go to our website. So Leviticus chapter 25, verse 8. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. And then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each shall return to his family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your untended vines, for it is jubilee, the jubilee, excuse me, it is holy to you. You shall eat the produce from the field. In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor, and according to the numbers of years of crops, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price. And according to the fewest number of years, you shall diminish its price. For he sells to you according to the number of the years of the cross. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them, and you will dwell in the land in safety. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell there in safety. And if you sh and, uh, excuse me, and if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce? Then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. And you shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth year, until its produce comes in, you shall eat of the, old, of the old harvest. We're going to stop right there and just take a look at that portion of Scripture this morning. So last week we talked about the Sabbath years. Every seventh year in Israel at that time was to be a Sabbath year. And we talked all about that in verses 1 through 7. And so now the Lord is telling them here 
to count seven Sabbath years, in other words, 49 years. And on the 49th year, on the Day of Atonement, the shofar would be blown, and the 50th year would be proclaimed the Jubilee. What is the Jubilee? Well, the word itself, it's a Hebrew word that it really means clamor or an acclamation of joy or a battle cry, kind of like an alarm. Well, in this case, it's a cry of joy. It's a proclamation of liberty. It's a proclamation of redemption. Possessions of the land were returned to the original tribal ownerships. Debts were canceled. Hebrew servants were set free. And the cool thing was, it was universally applied throughout all Israel. Now, in verses 15 and 16, it describes how the purchase of value of, of property would be based on the year of Jubilee. And so it's not necessarily a supply and demand. You know, when we buy property now, and if, if there's a high demand for property, it's, whew, it's really high. Right now, the property around here is just, it's incredibly how high it's going. But that's not the way it was supposed to be in Israel. Their property was based on the Jubilee, on the year of Jubilee. And so on the year of Jubilee, whatever land that you had purchased for someone else, it would be returned to the original owner. And so as a result, everything was valued by that. So if it was a long time until the next Jubilee, the property would have higher value. Why? Because you have more years of planting crops, of harvesting them, of selling those crops and making a living. So the more years of harvests you had, the more valuable the land would be. If you were very close to a Jubilee year, let's say it's year 45 or something like that, and the Jubilees in, in four years, they're going to declare it in four years for the 50th year, uh, then the value would be considerably less. Why? Because you only have four years of planting and harvesting uh, to do. So that's how uh, land was valued, or that's how they were supposed to sell land. Now, the interesting thing about this, you know, the, I don't know what the average lifespan was at the Old Testament days, but because of average human lifespans, every generation would experience in Israel at least one jubilee, generally speaking, in their lifetime. You could expect, if you were alive in Israel at the time, in your generation, you would experience liberty and you would experience redemption. redemption. Now, our society doesn't operate on a 50-year redemption cycle, does it? It doesn't. Um, but like it's described here in scriptures, every generation can experience the true redemption and the true liberty that's found only in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Every generation. You know, my parents had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there came to a point in my life where I had to make a decision, hey, am I going to follow Christ or not? And so I gave my heart to Jesus. And my children after me, my grandchildren after me, generation after each generation has an opportunity to experience redemption and liberty in Jesus Christ. I want to read something to you out of Luke chapter 4. Jesus said this. And so this is speaking about Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. It says, So he came to Nazareth, or Nazareth, excuse me, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Can you imagine that room right there? Here's Jesus speaking, and he's, and he's saying this prophecy, and they're waiting, okay, what's he going to do? Because that was kind of the custom in that day. They would select some, some person to read the scriptures and then kind of expound on it. And so they're waiting. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? And it says, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I, I can just imagine. I can just picture that scene. Jesus just sitting there just quietly. Maybe he's taking a pause, you know. It's like one of those pregnant pauses, you know. It's like... What's he going to say? 
It says, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can you imagine being at the synagogue that day? You're hearing that for the very first time. I mean, hey, you've read, if you're Jewish, you've read the Old, script, the Old Testament scriptures. You know about the promise of a coming Messiah. And yet year in and year out, things are just the same, right? You just, you know, nothing seems to change. Every year seems the same until suddenly you're in the synagogue on that Sabbath day and Jesus says, hey, today that scripture that you just read about and you're, you've been hearing about all your lives, today it's fulfilled. You know, today is a unique day for us, isn't it? I mean, think about it. I've never experienced anything in this my, in my lifetime. You know, this kind of a situation where people can't come and congregate. So I've never experienced This is a new season for all of us. Today is unique. Um, you know, the thing is, I, I think of the words that Mordecai in the book of Esther said to Esther. He said this, he said, who knows if you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, I want to encourage you, you know, this is a unique situation that we find ourselves in. And who knows what God's going to use, how he's going to use this to further his kingdom. And so just to encourage you in this, yeah, you know, it's kind of a bummer, you know, having to not be together with everybody. But guess what? Just think about that. Hey, God, how can you use this? And how can you use me to reach out to people, to share the love of Christ with them, and to give people encouragement and hope? So just something for you there. So the Jubilee was to be observed just like the Sabbath year. And we talked about that in verses 1 through 7. There would be no sowing, no reaping. In other words, there would be no harvesting for sale or profit. Now, there would be you know, fruit that would grow under the untended vines and stuff. Uh, and so you were just to eat the, of the land. Now, technically, you think about it. So they were to count seven Sabbath years. And so seven times seven is 49. So the 49th year was a Sabbath year. So that was a year that they were not to eat any produce, or excuse me, they were not to uh, uh, sow seed and then uh, reap a harvest later on. They were just to let the land uh, sit fallow, basically. Well, the next year, after the 49th year, the 50th year, was treated just like a Sabbath year. So in that year, also, they couldn't reap or sow as well. So there's technically, around Jubilee, there was two years, technically, of no sowing and reaping. And you know, God anticipates their objection to this, or maybe their questions. It's almost like he's speaking to some Dutch guy, you know. Hey, how are we going to pay for this? I'm Dutch, so I can say that. <laughs> how can they pay for this? See, that's a good question. Hey, two years of no crops? Two years of no planting? I mean, how, how can we do this? How can we survive? And so God anticipates that. He says, hey, in the sixth year or the, or the year before the Sabbath year, I'm going to give you a bountiful harvest. You're going to have enough blessing for three years. So you won't even have to worry until the 51st year. There will be enough to provide during the 49th year and the 50th year to last all the way into uh, the 50th, 50, excuse me, the 51, 51st year. Again, my, my words straight here. You know, last week we were talking about the Sabbath year, and there were some problems. Um, what's interesting is if you study that and you look at the history of Israel, they never observed the Sabbath year. At least there's no record of them observing the Sabbath year. And so for 490 years, they never observed every seventh Sabbath year. And so God sent them into captivity for 70 years. One year for every Sabbath year, they skipped. Because God said, hey, the land's going to get its rest, whether you do it or not. And so they went into captivity. And last week we were talking about what would cause a person to not want to do a Sabbath year. I mean, after all, hey, you kick back for a year, enjoy the fruit of the land, and just rest in God and in his provisions. And why wouldn't a person want to do that? And we talked about that last week. There's, there's really two reasons why a person wants. And I think it applies to the uh, Jubilee year as well. The first year is greed, or excuse me, the first reason is greed. It's 
think about it. You get to the 49th year, actually the 48th year, and you've got this bumper crop that's like three times any other crop before. And if you're a greedy person or greedy starts setting in, you're thinking, hey, look at all the money. Man, we 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 gotta keep going, man. We got a good thing going. And so then greed takes over. And so that would be a temptation probably for some people to just, hey, I'm gonna ignore that. I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna keep doing it because I wanna get more and more and more. So greed, it takes over sometimes. The other reason, and the other reason that someone might not want to do, and I think it really applies to maybe even our situation today, is fear. Fear would be another big reason. You know, hey, I better plant in year 49 and 50. After all, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. Right? That's in the Bible somewhere. Yeah, it's right after the verse, cleanliness is next to godliness, by the way. So if you can find that in the scripture, email me, uh, you know, reply to this, uh, make a comment or something. If you find it, that's great. Uh, I haven't been able to find it in my Bible. So, but fear, you know, it can cause people to want to, you know, I, man, I, I, I got I to gotta do something on my own. I, I hear God saying this, but man, I just don't know if he can really, I don't know if he's going to pull through. And so I better do what I can to make sure that I'm okay. You know, if you think about it, in a way, we're kind of experiencing the Sabbath year right now. It's it's kind of like we're in year 49, right before the, uh, the Jubilee year. You know, in year 49, that's the year. Hey, you're not you weren't not supposed to plant and and uh, reap, and so you're just supposed to live off what God has provided naturally in the fields, and uh, so. In a way, we're kind of experiencing year 49, but instead of calling it year 49, we're calling it uh, COVID, I don't know if that's the way you say it, 19, right? Coronavirus number 19. So we're kind of experiencing something like that. Think about it. Sowing and reaping has been curtailed. Or, or it's being curtailed, right? Some of you can go to work especially if you're in the food industry, and my heart breaks to those that are in the food industry. Because it's a, I mean, you can't work, plain and simple. Uh, if you're some, you know, restaurant workers or waiters or waitresses. So some people have lost work. Other people, work's been reduced. And so as a result of that, of course, there's a loss of income, or maybe not a total loss, but a reduced income. And so it, it's almost kind of like a Sabbath year in that sense. Not only that, we're kind of on a source, uh, sort of, we're kind of like being forced to rest, right? You know, it's like, where are you, you going to go to a movie? You can't go to a movie. You're going to go out to a concert? Can't do that. Go to a restaurant? Can't even do that. You can order takeout, but that's about it. So we're kind of forced to just kind of, hey, take it back and just relax and stay at home and hang out, play games with the kids, whatever. Especially if you're quarantined, right? Then it's a really forced rest for, what, 14 days, whatever it is. But we're kind of in a situation like that. Children of Israel were kind of in a situation like that as well, where no sowing and reaping, just resting and trusting God for his provisions. You know, God wanted the children of Israel to trust him, and he took care of the children of Israel in year 49. He provided for them. And I want to tell you this morning, God wants to provide for you in the year of COVID-19. God wants to provide for you he wants you to trust him. And so I encourage you this morning, don't fear, but rest in God's care. Trust in his provision during this season. You know, for you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, we always talk about, right, hey, God's in control, where God guides, God provides. You know, God is, he's gonna, he's gonna meet my needs. And we, we proclaim that, right? And we should, we believe it, we should proclaim it. Now we get a chance to live it out and experience it for real in our own lives, in our own situations. So that's a blessing. And so my prayer is that we'll grow in our faith and our trust in the Lord through this situation. We get to trust in Him who's promised He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Rather than scrambling in fear, and if you look around our communities, you look around on the TV or whatever, however you want to get your news, people are in fear right now. They're in fear of getting the virus. They're in fear of where their next 
paycheck's going to come from, maybe even their next meal. There, there's so much fear going on right now. And you and I as believers, we're in a unique situation because we have the Lord Jesus Christ who's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. We have God in control of us. He's taking care of me. He's providing. And uh, yeah, there might be some times where I'm going to really have to trust him just like you are too. But God's faithful. I can proclaim that loudly. God is faithful. And uh, so, one other thing. We are here at Calvary Chapel, Rochester, to try to help out as much as we possibly can. Now, there's some ways we can. There's some things we can't possibly do. For example, if you're sick, you know, the scripture says, call the elders and have them come and lay hands on you, anoint them and pray for them for healing. We can't do that. We could virtually, hey, we'll lay hands on you virtually and pray for you. God's Spirit's not confined, right? We might be confined, but God's Spirit is not. So we can do that. So if you're sick and you need prayer, hey, contact the church. Email us, call us, however you want to get a hold of us. We'll pray for you. Uh, we can do that. If you are a member of Calvary Chapel Rochester, if this is your church home, uh, we're going to be trying to contact you. Uh, the elders and myself, another gentleman named Justin, we have committed to contacting as many people in this fellowship as we can. Hopefully, uh, within the next week or so, everybody shall have been contacted. Uh, if we have your contact information. If we don't have your contact information, uh, we can't do anything about that. But if you want a phone call and we don't have your phone number, hey, email us, drop us a line, whatever you want to do. Let us, give us your number and we'll try to contact you. About, so we're going to be doing that. So you might be hearing from someone in our fellowship just periodically, hey, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything we can pray for? Things like that. Um, there are people in this fellowship who have expressed to me a willingness to minister in any way they can from, you know, your quarantine, you, you can't get out, or you're, maybe you're an elderly person, or you're immune compromised and you, you just don't want to risk going out. There are people in this fellowship that are waiting to take a call to go out and to bring something to you, to minister to you in a way possible. Um, and so, uh, again, contact us, let us know. Um, again, if you're sick, hey, we'll pray for you. We'll ask the Lord to stream his living word to you, his healing word to you. You know, as I've been praying about this and we're starting to, you know, this is new for us too. Um, I bet you there's ways that we're going to be able to minister that we haven't even, hasn't even been revealed to us yet. Uh, so if you are part of this fellowship and you want to be out there ministering and stuff uh, in any way possible, let us know because we can probably use you. And as time goes on, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. One last thing I want to share with you is I encourage you, and I shared this in the beginning of the broadcast, contact one another. Call them, email them, make, you know, touch base with one another. Again, if you're feeling lonely, chances are they are as well. Uh, so do that. And then pray for and encourage somebody. If the Lord lays someone on your heart, and just you know, start just thinking about them, start praying for them. Because uh, that's probably the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that. So I want to encourage you in that. Um, next Sunday, we're going to be looking at the rest of Leviticus chapter 26. And uh, we're going to be looking at the redemption of the land. What does that look like? The redemption of the poor. And we're also going to be looking at a very interesting thing that gets introduced in this passage of Scripture. And it's the kinsman, and the near kinsman redeemer. There's some really cool uh, applications and pictures that we're going to be looking at in that. So I encourage you uh, to check in again, tune in again with us next week, and uh, hopefully the broadcast will even be better than this week, so uh, as far as quality of, of streaming and everything. But I want to thank you, and before we close this service, I want to pray for each and every person here. So if you just join me in prayer where you're at, let's just go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word with your people. And Lord, just as we discussed earlier, Lord, your, your word, your spirit is not confined, is not quarantined. Lord, your word is powerful. And Lord, you can live stream it anywhere you want to do whatever you want to do with your word. And so Lord, I just pray even right now that your word, your Holy Spirit would touch the hearts and the lives of those that are maybe feeling lonely this morning. Maybe they are in fear of what's coming up. Lord, may you just comfort them, give them strength, Lord. 
May you encourage them in, your, in their faith. And Lord, may this be a time of spiritual growth and spiritual revival in each one of us, Lord. Lord, as we pare back those things that are not uh, essential, we're, we're starting to discover what is essential and what's not essential. And Lord, I pray that as we're going through and some things are just, we can't do those things, Lord, I pray that the things that are essential, those things that remain, Lord, that those important things will become even more important in our own lives. And I know one of those is having a strong and having a, a vibrant relationship with you. And so, Lord, may you strengthen each one of us in our relationship with you. We love you, Lord. We look to you during this season, and we look to you for your protection, for your provision, and for your guidance in this. And so we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for being with us. And God bless you. Bye-bye.